Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Many celebrities, including Rebel Wilson, John Goodman, and even Adele, have slimmed down this past year. Today, I'm here with Dr. Hans Schmidt, Chief of Bariatric Surgery at Hackensack University Medical Center, to help us achieve our own weight loss goals this year. So thanks for being here, Dr. Schmidt. Great. Thanks so much for having me. So what's the first thing we should consider when losing weight? I think you have to set reasonable goals. Uh, many patients are trying to reach their ideal body weight, which is often too thin for them at the stage of their life that they're at. So I think you need to set reasonable incremental goals and work toward them. So you mentioned goals. How would we know what that goal is that we should reach? Should we check a BMI calculator or is it all based off of feeling, maybe the scale? Well, BMI is important. It's a height-weight ratio that measures if people are normal weight, overweight, or obese. But BMI is not the be-all and end-all for every patient. So you want to be within a healthy BMI range, but within that range, some people have variability as to their actual weight. Some people are uh, happier, a little bit heavier, or a little bit thinner, but certainly having a BMI under 25 or 30 would be the healthy range. And that would be for everybody or certain age groups? That's for everybody at any age group. Clearly, if you're a bodybuilder or a weightlifter, uh, muscle does weigh more than fat, so the BMI may be somewhat skewed. But for most of my patients, BMI is an accurate indicator of their status. Of their status. Yeah, because I actually just got um, my BMI recently through the gym I go to, and they told me that I was technically overweight. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to tell myself that muscle weighs more than fat because we're not going to go there today. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, anything with a B anybody with a BMI over 25 is considered overweight. And for many people, they would consider themselves skinny with a BMI of 26 or 27. Uh, obesity starts at BMI over 30. So above that is where we really have to start worrying. Got it. So are there some factors that might affect weight loss, maybe medication, um, genetics? There's a lot of factors as to why people are overweight for sure. There's been studies done, uh, a great study out of Britain, uh, where they found that some people are genetically skinny. They can literally eat anything they want for their entire life and they will never gain weight. Oh. Unfortunately, I know, unfortunately, most of us are not those people. I think it's about 10% of the population. Uh, unfortunately, there is a genetic component to obesity, so it does run in families. Uh, there's also um, a social aspect. There's emotional aspects. Uh, people eat because they're hungry. People eat because they're sad or uh, as a comfort or bored. Um, also, our society today has a lot of bad food choices available where people that are prone to gaining weight can gain a lot of weight quicker than they wish to. Is it true that eating after 8 p.m. helps you pack on the pounds? Uh, I don't think that's true. I think uh, it's your total uh, caloric intake per day, probably per week. Just because you have one bad day in a week is not the worst, but certainly if every day is a bad day, they do add up. Absolutely. And, you know, could people have different types of health problems 
when they're overweight, such as being more prone to a heart attack per se? Sure. So one of the worst things about obesity for an individual person in our society is the health problems that people that are overweight or obese develop. Uh, for sure, almost almost all cases of type 2 diabetes are found in patients that are overweight or obese. Uh, also sleep apnea, hypertension, osteoarthritis, uh, heart attacks, and many cancers, believe it or not, are actually higher in people that suffer from obesity. And would all of those health conditions, risk factors, things like that go away if they lost a significant amount of weight? Oh, absolutely. 80% of patients with type 2 diabetes have remission or resolution of their diabetes after losing weight. 80%. That's four out of five. That's really significant. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about, you know, diet versus exercise and fad diets and things like that, does that all really work or is it all based off of the genetic of the person? Uh, it's based on genetics, as I said, but also your environment. The problem for most people that are overweight is they need an entire change of their lifestyle. They need a lifestyle change, not just a fad diet, right? Fad diets are usually crash diets. They're short periods of time to achieve a certain result. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. You achieve that goal and then you're done and then the weight just comes back on again. So you really need to make a lifestyle change in which you change your overall eating habits, your behaviors, incorporate exercise, and try to make this a total body change you know, over the course yeah. of your life. And especially to be able to keep up with it because if you just do something for a little bit of amount of time, you would just gain the weight back, wouldn't you? That's correct. So it's something you have to change over the long term. Yeah. So what about getting older and speeding up and your metabolism and things like that. Is it harder to lose weight as you get older? Oh, it's certainly harder to lose weight uh, as we get older, for sure. Um, our metabolisms do slow down. Our muscle mass goes down, usually as we get older. And muscle has a, uh, uh, a high metabolism, burns a lot of calories. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, women that are kind of past menopause uh, really have the slowest weight loss of anybody, and they have to try a lot harder, for example, than a young man. Oh, that that's not good news for me, Dr. No. <laughs> well, you're not an old woman, for sure. Not yet. Uh, but secondly, it, uh, it doesn't mean it's not unachievable. It just means you have to work harder. We all have to work hard at doing certain things we want to accomplish in life, but you can accomplish them. It just might take more work. Yeah, absolutely. So... When's the right time to include a doctor in your weight loss goals? You know, you probably could hit a plateau or things like that. When's the right time to talk to you? Sure. Um, so I like to look at all of the weight loss programs out there as tools to help you lose weight, right? For example, if you're trying to dig a swimming pool and you have a tablespoon, maybe you can dig a swimming pool, but it's going to take you a long time or maybe you're never going to be able to do it. Um, but again, if you have a, uh, a huge uh, backhoe thing, you can dig it really, really quickly. Um, but you wouldn't use that to plant a flower in your flower box, right? So I mean, there's different tools for different jobs. Most of the commercial weight loss programs like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem do help a lot of people lose weight over the short or long term. But people that are unable to be successful with those tools should turn to a doctor. There's medications available that some patients can take to help them. And there's also surgery available for people that need a bigger tool. Absolutely, so you mentioned medications. Are there, couldn't they make you gain weight? Uh, certain medications do, but there are medications for weight loss. 
and uh, doctors can put you on them uh, to try to help you lose weight. Uh, the good news is that for many patients, they do work. Uh, the bad news is that they're usually only prescribed for short periods of time, maybe three to six months. So after you come off the medication, you have to maintain that weight loss on your own. Uh, secondly, some of the medications do have significant side effects. And even though people may see uh, success with their weight loss, they can't stand the side effects and stop the medications. What are some of those side effects? Uh, some people, it depends which medication, but um, some of the medicines sort of speed you up a little bit. People get jittery, they can't sleep, uh, they get mood swings. Uh, others uh, can cause nausea or uh, headaches or, or, or other side effects. So uh, it's really on an individual basis. Yeah, it really depends on on you and your person. Yeah, sure. And some patients that have high blood pressure or other diseases can't take them for, uh, because of potential interactions. Yeah. So you mentioned surgery. When do you think is the right time to go and say, you know what, none of this is working. Let me go for surgery. Should you wait a certain amount of time or just go for it? Well, I think you should try to lose weight on your own. Uh, we know that uh, 95% of people that are morbidly obese, so now we're talking people that have a BMI over 40, that's about 100 pounds overweight. So we're talking 95% uh, of people that are 100 pounds overweight cannot lose the weight and keep it off for two years. Okay, so only 5% of the people succeed. But if you're one of those 5%, you don't need surgery. Right? So you should try some of these weight loss attempts to see if you're one of the people that can lose the weight. But unfortunately, 19 out of 20 people won't be successful, and they are then candidates to uh, have surgery to help them. And are there different types of surgery, or is it kind of like a one-size-fits-all? Uh, no, there's definitely different types of surgery uh, to help people. Um, there's several different uh, surgical or interventional options available. Uh, and it's best to talk to your doctor and your surgeon about which one is best for you. They all have different efficacy and they all have different uh, risks. And you should really talk to your doctor about which is the best procedure for you. What's the one that you do most, most often? So right now, the most common operation that I perform in my practice and is performed around the country and around the world is what we call the uh, sleeve gastrectomy procedure. So what happens during that procedure? So all the surgeries that we perform uh, in this day and age are done laparoscopically, which means they're performed through little incisions. We don't cut you open. We don't put our hands inside your abdomen. We usually make a little uh, one inch or smaller incision by your belly button and just a couple little pokes above that. We put a, a small camera inside your abdomen and we use uh, instruments to operate on your stomach and or intestines. Uh, to perform these procedures. So the sleeve gastrectomy entails removing a portion of your stomach, uh, which helps you then with your appetite and your portion size. Uh, for a lot of people, believe it or not, our stomachs are the problem. Yeah. People are very, uh, you know, willing to get their gallbladder out if they have a problem with their gallbladder or a pro their appendix out if they have their problem with their appendix. But I think a lot of people don't realize that the problem with their weight is actually their stomach. And why is that? Because the stomach is hungry? 
You're absolutely right. The stomach <laughs> makes one of our main hunger hormones. Uh, and when your stomach is empty, it makes a lot of that hunger hormone. So uh, for a lot of people, diets become a battle between hunger and willpower. And usually your willpower can overcome hunger for a while, but not over the long term. Eventually your hunger will overtake it and then you'll end up eating maybe more than you would have eaten if you weren't on the diet, right? So hunger is one of the problems with your stomach. It's a hormone called ghrelin. Uh, which is made by the stomach and acts on the brain uh, to make you go eat something. Uh, secondly, your stomach can hold a lot of food, right? I ask our medical students often, who here can eat a whole pizza? And a bunch of hands go up in the room. We can eat a lot more food than we need to. When we eat, we also want to be satisfied. So if you've ever been on a diet and you try to eat a little teeny portion of food, 20 minutes later, you're in the refrigerator trying to find out where the rest of it is, right? So you want to eat till you're full. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of food to fill our stomach. So that's a long way of getting around to the fact that the sleeve gastrectomy removes the portion of your stomach that makes that hunger hormone. And it also shrinks your stomach to a very small size. So you still get full, but you do get full on just a few bites of food. Got it. So that willpower is a little bit easier when it comes to not going back to the fridge for more. Correct. Because once you're full, most people stop eating. Even though I, I feel like once I'm full, I'm, if it's good, I'm ready to keep going. That's because there's more room in your stomach. But if there's no more room, if you're truly stuffed, that you're done. So let's say I'm a patient of yours. What should I expect when I come into your office? First of all, to get your weight measured and your height measured which can, believe it or not, be pretty traumatic for some patients. Some people avoid scales completely because they don't wanna know what their weight is and they're shocked when they see what their weight is. And also to get your height measured. And uh, most people think they're a lot taller than they really are. Always. Uh, yeah, because we had our height measured probably last in junior high or high school. <laughs> and uh, now that you're you know, 60 years old, you're not that height anymore. So um, we measure your height and weight and uh, vital signs, and that helps us calculate your BMI. Okay. Uh, then um, at your first, in our office at least, at your first meeting, you do meet right with the surgeon. We'll sit down, we'll review your medical history. We will review your previous weight loss attempts, the successes, the failures, um, and determine if we think you are a candidate for surgery. And if so, we will describe the procedures to you. We'll come up with uh, the best procedure for you. With you, we don't tell you what the best procedure is. We work with you on, on determining that. And then we uh, start the preoperative process if you choose to go ahead. So you mentioned that there might be some things that might disqualify you from getting weight loss surgery. What kind of things might disqualify you? Well, first of all, if you don't meet the BMI criteria, um, we've seen people that are barely uh, 20 and 30 pounds overweight come in and say they want surgery because they can't lose that last 20 pounds. That is not an acceptable procedure for somebody looking to lose 20 pounds. Uh, there may be people that have uh, severe medical problems uh, and they wouldn't be safe for general anesthesia. Surprisingly, this is very rare. Uh, most patients that have severe medical problems benefit the most from weight loss, so we take that all into account. Uh, also, patients that have substance abuse issues or underlying psychological disorders that are causing them to eat or to not understand why they're eating would also be disqualified from surgery. Hmm, interesting. So what about recovery? 
Does it take a long time to recover from this type of surgery? No, laparoscopic surgery is uh, really wonderful uh, for the patients because the recovery is really quick. Um, for most of the procedures we do, patients uh, go home most likely one day after surgery. So you have surgery uh, Monday, you go home Tuesday. Um, pain uh, is minimal. Uh, most people are off pain medications within a day or two. And most people are driving and back to normal activity like in three or four days. Would you have to be on any sort of special diet or no lifting or anything like that while you're recovering? Because doesn't, I, I, I don't actually know, but once you have bariatric surgery, does the weight just kind of like fall off or is it take a couple of weeks before? Sure. There's two questions in there. There's uh, a do you have to be on a special diet or yeah. uh, something else? Yeah. So yes, you have to be on a special diet. Uh, your stomach has to heal, right? We are uh, in the sleeve uh, dividing your stomach and taking part of it out in the gastric bypass surgery. We're also dividing your stomach. Um, so that has to heal up. So we generally put you on a restricted diet for the first uh, month or so, usually typically liquids for a week or two after surgery, thin liquids, maybe protein shakes. And then after that, we put you on a mushy consistency food, like a yogurt consistency food for a couple weeks, just to allow your stomach to heal without over distending it. But long term, most patients after any of the procedures can eat all of their favorite foods. You can eat any food that you like to eat. You just can't eat very much of it at one sitting. So you can't go back and eat an entire pizza again. That's correct. Maybe a half a slice, but you're going to be as full as if you ate an entire pizza. Right, so if you're looking for that fullness, certainly after the sleeve, you will get full on a much smaller portion of food. You'll get full a lot faster too, Correct. probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would be the hardest part in the patient journey of keeping the weight off after they lost it? Sure, so portion size after any of the procedures usually remain pretty restricted. So you won't be able to eat more than say one slice of pizza at a time. But as you said earlier, people eat when they're anxious, when they're sad, when they're bored, uh, and calories certainly add up. So if you are sitting at your TV watching your favorite movie and you have some popcorn or some M&Ms or some pretzels or uh, at your desk at work, you have you know a bowl of candy on the desk, you can literally sit there and eat one bite of it every couple minutes for the entire day. So you're never getting full but you're putting a lot of dense calories into your body. And that's the main reason that people gain weight. We call it grazing, mm -hmm. where they just eat little bits all day long. And is there a chance that they would have to come back to you after weight loss surgery because maybe they, they gain the weight back? So first of all, we want everybody to come back to us after weight loss surgery. We have a very robust aftercare program, whereas patients come back about four times during the first year, twice the second year, and we try to see people back yearly after that to look for exactly that, to see if they're gaining weight, to see if they're having any protein or uh, vitamin issues, uh, or just anything that isn't right so we can uh, you know, nip it in the bud before things get too bad. If you gain 10 pounds back, easy to manage. If you mm -hmm. gain 80 pounds back, now we're right back where we started. Yeah. You know, certainly if people do gain a lot of weight, they should also come back because there are revisional procedures available where we can try to go back in and either do a second operation or sort of redo the first operation. Any patient success stories that stick out to you the most? Like when was that moment where you're like, yes, I love this job? 
Uh, every time I have office hours, I see a couple patients that really excite me uh, with the results that they've had. Um, I have uh, many patients, in fact, one of our employees who was told she could never get pregnant. Um, she was uh, very heavy. Uh, her and her husband had tried to, to, to conceive for years and years and was finally told, you know something, you can't get pregnant. It's just the way it is. And I did her sleeve gastrectomy. She lost well over 100 pounds. And sure enough, she got pregnant. And she's actually out on maternity leave now with her second baby. So to see people build a family that didn't think they could, I think is really rewarding. Absolutely. And you mentioned previously before we started recording about, you know, airplane seats and not having to ask for an extension belt anymore. Sure. Those little wins. Yeah. I had a patient waving his hands over his head. He's like, do you know what this is? And I'm like, I have no idea. And he said, that's the that's the signal to the stewardess to get me the seatbelt extender, which he no longer needs to do. Um, you know, many people want to do outdoor activities. They want to go hiking or they want to go in the Grand Canyon or they want to, you know, see cities in Europe, but they're scared about walking. They're, uh, you know, they're worried enough about the activity, but one of their biggest worries is often just getting there. They don't want to deal with a long airplane flight because they won't fit in the seat. They won't be able to put the tray table down. These things that a lot of us take for granted becomes a big deal for people struggling with their weight. And when you see See them now fit in the airplane seat, uh, be able to take the long flights and go somewhere hiking is really, really rewarding. You know, most of us feel so good if we lose like 10 pounds, right? If you can lose 10 pounds, your clothes fits better, you sleep better, like you're just so ecstatic that you've lost 10 pounds. And when you see somebody that's lost 100 or 180 or lose actually 250 pounds, it's such an amazing change in, in their life. Uh, because you know, just a little bit of weight loss matters so much. Absolutely, that could totally, like you said, it could, you could build a family off it's of life that. It's life-changing. It is life-changing. So is there any advice you can give us for those who have weight loss goals for their New Year's resolutions? Yes, <laughs> I think you need to be accountable to yourself only. Um, I think that you need to track everything that you're eating. I think calories come in surprise places. I think we look at what we're eating and we're like, well, that's not so bad. And if you actually measure what you're eating, it may be a lot more calories than you think. So I recommend everybody get a tracker app for their smartphone um, where you can put in everything you eat. It calculates your calories, your protein, your carbs, everything like that. And you gotta get some sort of food scale or measuring device to actually see how much butter you're putting in your eggs. Cause you're like, that looks like about a tablespoon. It's probably two <laughs> tablespoons. And at a hundred calories a tablespoon, that is a lot of calories, right? So yeah. uh, everything adds up. And uh, you know, the big calorie items, like I said, butter and people love cheese. They're like, cheese is healthy. Yeah, but you eat way too much of it. So track it, measure it and track it. That's my advice. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Schmidt. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.